lost by one point. I think actually we should get two points for uh, a two-point bonus for Madeleine DuPont's win. We should, even though neither of us picked her. Yeah, but just, you know, <laughs> we should have picked her as the troll Scott. Really, so really, it's not necessarily us getting points. I feel like <laughs> Sean and Scott should lose two points yeah, for Madeleine Scott, DuPont. Scott winning. should get like a two-point deduction. <laughs> I agree. So we, so we win, right? That means we win? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast Coming to you from Richmond, Virginia, my name is Ryan McGee, and joining me in Southampton, England, is our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Jonathan, our roles are reversed today. How so, Ryan? So usually I'm the one that spends a lot of time watching games and researching and writing out notes and kind of a run of show, and then I send it to you and you ignore it. Um, and today the opposite has happened. You spent a lot of time wow. watching games, <laughs> go that far. putting together <laughs> a, a show rundown, and then you sent it to me and I have not opened it. I'm not going to. I would say We're, a lot of time. I watched time, a lot of games. I took no notes. More time than you've probably ever spent making a rundown. No, I've done some on some of the run it backs. I spent a lot of time on the rundown. Yep, that in the dinosaur yeah. episode. You spent a lot of time on the dinosaur episode. <laughs> the dinosaur episode was great. Yeah, so you sent me a run of show, and I'm not gonna even open it. All right, that's fine. Just roll it. Let's go. Did I know two results from Euros? Two results. Okay. I know that Denmark is your women's European champion, gold medalists. Yes. And I know that we lost the bad beer bet with with Game of Stones. <laughs> with the with Sean by and Scott point. Graham, the co- the hosts of the Game of Stones podcast. Yes, by one point. Yep. Each harsh. year for the Euros, we do a bad beer bet with the Grahams. Uh, both shows pick the results of the European Championships. I don't even know why we started doing the Euros. I think it's because we thought that we could beat them pretty easily at it. Um, <laughs> and the losing team has to drink the beer of the winning team's choosing. We've won a few times, and now Game of Stones has won for a second time. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they try to do. Um, what they try to do to us. And we will have to consume this beverage uh, either on a live stream on their Facebook page or on a show that we record, but we, we lost, but Madeleine DuPont run won, which is awesome. Yeah. Madeleine DuPont won. That was good. Um, that was a good game. First of all, 
And yeah, I think how did, how did it happen? What did they? What was Team Denmark doing this week that made them so successful? Drawing well, <laughs> basically. Like Madeleine Dupont was dialed in and could just basically place the stone where she wanted all week. Um, right down to the last, the last shot. Like the the score is four. Um, okay, a couple of points here. Okay, first of all. I've now played two events with the no tick rule and watched the Euros with the no tick rule. I'm a total convert. It's really? amazing. Um, Why is that? Basically, okay, so basically it ensures that you have a tricky shot in the final end. Okay. Right. It's just going to junk it. it. It basically forces junk. The rest of the game, because I, there were not many teams that were playing tick all the time. There's a couple, like I know the Scott McDonald rink. Uh, the first time they qualified the, for the Briar kind of used it a lot, and Team Holman kind of went through a through a period where they would like tick everything. But um, you know, most teams weren't doing that unless they had a big lead. But once they once they got to the final end, teams with the lead would right. Um, so if you look at the women's finals, so who was in the women's final? It was Denmark. Women's finals and- is Denmark, Switzerland. Okay, you figure. Swiss team, Team Terenzoni, they're going to be good at the tick shot. So in the mm-hmm. old days, extra end with hammer, tick, 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 blast everything, right? Um, they they weren't able to do that. And so the so so Denmark's able to get the double center up and then build a fair bit of junk. And um, there were some good shots. I think Carol, I'm not sure if Carol, Hold, Carol Holdwell, I think, made a good double peel in the extra. I can't remember if it's the extra the, the last end, but she the second made a really good peel. And um, double peel. And Tiranzoni made a good clearing shot with her first. So it was open. <clears throat> and what DuPont managed to do is, so basically if you can visualize it, DuPont's sitting back button and then there's a Swiss stone back four and DuPont with her last one draws just basically biting top button. And forces uh forces um elena pats sorry i'm drawing a blank here elena pats right forces elena pats to make a direct she has to make a a perfect nose hit right which in one sense is like easy but if she's it's actually one of those deceptively hard shots and so basically she makes the perfect nose hit pats is gonna pats is gonna get the double sit shot win and there's even a chance you could jam instead shot and win but if you're a little high or a little low the angles were set up really well by Madeleine Dupont where she put it that um that basically there's a chance for a jam opportunity and a steal that way and so you basically and 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 uh Denmark was sit had like a couple other counters in the house there's like lots of stones in play and there's a chance there to actually make something happen whereas pre no tick rule two tick shots open end you blast your way home. It's really boring, right? And you saw that all week, right? The same thing in the men's final. The men's final, you know, probably well. There is a bit trickier because Bruce had to score two. But um, so, who was the men's final? Oh yeah, the men's final was Schwaller, so Switzerland again versus um, Team Mallet, Scotland. I had, that was the game of the week. That's that. That's like an early contender for game of the year. Okay, like it was. It was ridiculous. The last, like the last six shots of that game were all highlight reel shots. Like I, it, you, you, I thought, 
I, I Bruce Mao basically said he said in the post game interview he never had to throw two trickier shots to win a championship in his life before. <laughs> they were both like complicated run double. They're hard to explain. Just go look at the WCF feed; you'll see them there. But um, Benoit made like a, two really good kind of draws around, like tricky draws around to kind of force those shots. And Yannick Schwaller made this really sick double. Uh, I think on his first or in his second, that kind of, that I, when he made that, I thought, oh boy, like Scotland's in real trouble here. So, so for Switzerland uh, on the men's side, is uh, Benoit Schwartz now throwing fourth stones for Yannick Schwaller, or is Schwaller yeah. still throwing fourth stones with uh, Benoit Schwartz throwing third? So, so Benoit Schwartz was throwing last stones, yeah. okay, and Yannick was calling the game. So, yeah. Uh, and they, they're they, they're good, basically. <laughs> I I think Sean had a bit of like skepticism about that. I think they haven't missed the beat at all. Um, so, and, and honestly, I would say Bruce kind of saved it for um, Team Scotland. Like Bobby, I think I say Grant was really good in the finals, the playoff round, but he looked a little off in the round robin. If you look at the percentages, Bobby and Grant were kind of low 80s high i think bobby was actually high 70s kind of thing which like that's not their normal form right in the olympics they were like is bobby coming off the hand injury yeah so that was my first question is if he's still not quite over it as much as uh we've been led to believe but or if he's well um, some of that may just be reps like losing the reps yeah losing the reps a bit rusty I, i wasn't sure like honestly they looked even though they won, they looked beatable this week, right? Here, I got the percentages up here. So um, they were still top five, but like if you go back to the, the Olympics or Euros last year, said so they were one or two across the board, right? So um, Hammy McMillan was fifth at 87.2, Bobby Lammy 79.7, fifth, Grant Hardy 82.1, third amongst thirds, and Bruce Mallett was 84.5. So not, not quite as dominating as they've normally been, but come the final, like Bruce was, it was one of those games where Bruce just wasn't going to miss, right? And and actually, Benoit Schwartz matched him, matched him shot for shot. They were both throwing like high 80s, low 90s in that final. It's, if you've got the recast app, it's worth the buck. Spend the buck and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so you've gotten to play in a couple of events. You've watched Euros. So now if you're a team who has the lead and has hammer, in the final end, how do you now, what's your, what is your strategy now that you can't play the tick shot? How do you play defensive curling in those last ends without a tick? You probably got to, I don't know what you do. You probably got to come around and then the seconds now got to make a double peel or a triple peel. I think, I think that's basically the double peels, the new tick. Fun times. Yeah. So how long, into, so how long until we outlawed the double peel? Uh, probably How long until months. we say you can only peel one rock at a time? <laughs> See, m- my theory is what like we should do is... one more quad? Next, stop next picking... quad, you get rid of the peels? Okay, my idea is what we do next is we ban like um, anything above like backline weight for thirds. <laughs> stop picking on the leads. <laughs> it's true, the leads jaw. <laughs> it's like, I'm trying to think of an equivalent where you just keep making... It's like the cornerback in the NFL where like now it's just illegal to defend a wide receiver, like a lead's (laughs) job. It's illegal to make a shot basically. Yeah, basically. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's actually leads tough now, right? Because it's not yeah. just a. You've got to be able to place your guards on the center line for the no tick to work. So if you take a step down, like at the Euros, it wasn't that noticeable. But the at the World Mixed, where you had kind of uneven level of play, you had a lot of like just missed or away missed in some cases center line guards, and you know a team that can tick can still tick. So I think that's going to be a big difference maker between the elite leads and the next level down. Then the other tricky thing is if you're on really swingy ice, um, you can't tick on the come around anymore. And like, mm. like for years, leads were told, you know, play the come around. But if you tick the guard, you do the bump on the guard, you split it. You've got two corner guards, right? So yep. that's a that's a that's death now because you lose your rock. It's a wasted shot. So you've got to be really precise on the on your line on your come arounds too. And probably not chance it with a tight come around anymore. So, uh, so now, now there's more of a chance of leaving, leaving your come around draw open. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, I think that's going to make, like the, I think the lead positions probably now the second most demanding position on the team after the skip in some ways. Yep. And then you've got a, you've got a sweep, got a sweep, got to call weight. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that skill set. That's like, I guess seconds and thirds are almost interchangeable, right? Like not quite, but like there's a little bit more like skill stuff in the third in terms of calling a line, being in the head, all that. But like you can, as long as you can throw decently and are, you know, a decent sweeper, you're fine there, but you don't have as much, um, like the leads really got to, got to nail down very specific shots and have them wired. And they're not, they're not the easy shots anymore. Like they used to be in the old days, I'd say. All right. So who are other medalists? Who are, who were our bronze medalists on the women's and men's side at Euros? On the men's side, Italy and on the women's side, Scotland. Okay. I, I, admittedly, I had a very low opinion of Scotland coming into this tournament. So that's kind of cool to see Rebecca Morrison uh, take home some hardware. I I mean, I think they're a good team. I think they're, I think a couple of things happened. One on the women's side, totally off week for uh, Anna Hasselberg. Hmm. So, and, and to be honest, like, like missing Sarah McManus was just massive. Like they were kind of, they were throwing a weird rotation in terms of like who's playing what. Uh, their replacement um, lead, uh, Johanna Heldian, I think is the correct pronunciation. She, you could tell she was like a little fish out, you know, deer in headlights or fish out of water, whatever your metaphor you want to use. Um, struggling a little bit, not so much with the shot making as with kind of doing the other stuff that you need to do in that role. Um, so, and I think that kind of harmed them a little bit there. So... That, I think, created a bit of an opportunity. And then Madeleine DuPont is going on a tear and just kind of busting up the the women's side, um, I think, also created an opportunity. And then once, you know, once they got into the, the, the tail, at the start of the week, Scotland weren't super strong, but they kind of built over the week. And once they got to the, the playoff round, they were all shooting pretty well. So it's a solid week from them, I'd say. Who were some other teams that impressed you? On which side? Either one. Dealer's choice. 
Well, I think on the men's side, the team that shocked probably most people was Karagash from Turkey. So did, did not shock you because he kicked your butt the last uh, competitive say, game you played, right? I would say kicked the butt, but this <laughs> is down to the last shot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was a close game. Um, they were a good, they shot, I think they did, they did catch a lot of teams off guard, I think. Right. So, um, then they beat, they beat Czech in, in terms of, did they catch teams off guard in terms of shot making or in terms of strategy? Uh, I don't, I think they shot, it's hard to explain them. Cause I, I actually, if you look at their percentages, they're at like, 73%, which is actually the lowest shooting percentage in the pool. But I think they're, I don't know how to explain it. They're good opportunistic shooters. I put it out. They're not like, they're not a team that you can just say, okay, we're going to leave it and wait for them to miss. Cause they can, mm-hmm. if there's a chance for a big end, they're going to take it. Um, their, their wins were against Spain. Germany was probably the upset, but they just destroyed them. Uh, like it was an 11, four game. Denmark, who got relegated and uh, Czech Republic. So kind of the bottom end of the table, if you will, they didn't beat any of the teams that finished ahead of them, but they gave kind of good games to, well, not like they were kind of close until late against Scotland, sort of in it against Norway, kind of hung in against, against Italy, uh, got smoked by Switzerland uh, and Sweden. So they're not, they're not like elite elite yet, but they've qualified for Worlds, and uh, I think they'll turn a few heads there also, right? Because people, it's it, this is not like just a again like the, the world world curling's really changed in the last ten years, right? So any team that qualifies for Worlds now is going to be super strong. They're not going to be the free space in the bingo card, if if you will, at the Worlds for sure. So one year after the Turkish women qualify for Worlds, we have the Turkish men going to Worlds. And we have the Turkish women going too. They finished sixth okay. in their pool, so you know, um, no, no. The other so on the women's side, it was Germany, uh, Czech Republic. Oh no, it's the men's side. Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the women's side. Germany and Germany qualified. Czech Republic was out of the B, so they didn't they didn't qualify. Obviously. Okay, so on the women's side, yeah, it was Sweden. And Dilsat Yildiz, so there was basically a massive logjam for fourth place. So it was Scotland, Sweden, Turkey, Germany, all finished uh, five and four. Norway finished four and five. Um, so it gave you a sense of how tight the field was. Again, on, on raw shooting percentage, Turkey wasn't as high as the other teams. So they were 75.8%, but still kind of within in the range. And I think I think Dilsat Yildiz especially, she's been like a she's like a shot maker. So she can she can kind of drag a team a long way if she's on. Um so I, I mean the biggest shock's probably Madeleine Dupont weighing the whole thing. I, I you know I think uh, our good friend Scott <laughs> notoriously dismissive of them. I think, I mean, she's played in world championships for 15, 16 years. So there's nothing like she's a veteran. They just don't play as much on tour. If there's, if there's a, an analogy to a Canadian curler, I'd say they're kind of like the Krista McCarville team. Right? Okay. So they're, they're yeah, never an that's easy really, out, That's a pretty good. Right? That's a pretty good comparison. Yeah. 
And kind of similar on, in terms of the rankings. Like I think they're like in the mid twenties on the Ken Palm ratings, which shows you they can beat quality opponents. They just they aren't funded, so they don't have time to fly around the world and play in spiels every week. Um, but and I think Matilda Helsa's kind of been a. I think she's what's really turned it around, right? So she's their third. Mm-hmm. She's the youngest, the younger player on the team. Kind of came out of the Danish Junior program a few years ago. I think she skipped them at a Euros a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So she skipped them at a Euros. She's playing for Vice now. I think that just adding another shot maker, right? In some of these smaller countries, they struggle to put together, well, even one competitive, let alone two competitive teams, like elite level teams. So just being able to add an extra shot maker out of the junior program can really be a difference maker. I think she is there for the Danish team. They probably also have the most fun of any team in world curling. I love watching that team. Wow. Between them and Fujisawa, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fujisawa is also having fun. But. They do a little bit less dancing. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No, but they're, they're, they, like, they enjoyed themselves. And I think that's like they're playing carefree. Yeah. And that's dangerous, right? Yeah. Uh, always. You know, always dangerous. So how did, uh, Greatest curler of all time, Oscar Eriksson, do uh, skipping Sweden on the men's side. Uh, I think fine. I think, I mean, yeah, I think he shot well. Uh, <laughs> made some good highlight wheel shots. Um, they weren't terrible. Like They went six and three, um, a little bit off in the playoff round, I'd say. Um I, the one thing I wonder in retrospect is they they were doing really well on tour, and but they were three-manning it, right? And then you drop in Daniel Magnuson here. You wonder if they'd had the opportunity to have a couple of events with him maybe before that happened. I don't know. Maybe they get maybe they get some slightly different results there. But uh, overall, I thought, you know, it, it wasn't like Daniel Magnuson shot poorly, but maybe just changing the team dynamic up a little bit might have might have uh, been a factor in it you never know right and then we always say the best stories are in the b pool who is coming up from the b pool to next year's european a's so on the men's side it's the netherlands and finland okay so wudra goskins who's had a really good year on tour uh is up you know basically as i predicted kind of rolled through the b pool Pretty easily. And they are Finland. now officially Team Goskins. They're no longer, like, Jop Van Dorp is on this team, but it is now Team Goskins, correct? Yep. It's now Team Goskins. So I guess he's skipping full time. Unfortunately, there's no streaming from uh, the B pool. So you're just stuck reading line scores and refreshing W curling, worldcurling.org every 10 minutes. So two teams that we're used to seeing in the European A's, the Netherlands and Finland, are going to be back next year. They're going to be back. On the men's side. Yeah. Uh, France, bronze. Okay. Yeah. In the, uh, we call it here the four nations or the home nations. So the, the non-Scottish parts of the UK. I'm not, and I guess I mean, it's not clear if Ireland's in or out of the UK. They kind of, they kind of blur that for obvious political <laughs> reasons, whether they're, well, we'll, we'll just, we'll leave that alone anyway. Um, but uh, between I- Ireland had a really good week. And so they, Okay. Wales had a good week, and England lost to both Ireland and Wales, and consequently did not qualify for playoffs. So Ireland and and Welsh did, but both lost in the playoff rounds. And uh, Latvia got uh, fourth, 
and France got the bronze. Wow. So, Tell me about the yeah. French team. Uh, it's Eddie Mercier. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to know? I don't know. They're, they've usually not done this well uh, in a while, at least, at B's, and now they're taking home a, a bronze. What do we need to know about this team going forward? Uh, so Eddie, and I'm not sure of all of the, so Eddie Mercier used to be the skip of the French junior team and the junior B's. And I think the lead Kylian Godin was also there. Not sure about the whole team. Uh, so we've, we've, we've played them a couple of times or coached against them a couple of times. They're, they're a team of good shooters. So, um, I was a little surprised they did as well as they, they did. I'm not going to lie there. I thought they had a, had a good week, but they're, a good shooting team, you know. Um, oh, and if you can, if you follow Eddie Mercier on Instagram, he's also a hip hop artist, so he's got some okay. tracks he's recorded up there. So, so we need Mads Norgard to beatbox with Eddie Mercier providing the rhymes over the beat. Is that what you're saying? That would be that'd be fun. Yeah. Can we can we now that uh, did. Did the Danish men stay? The Danish men are going down to the B, I think, right? Yep. Danish men down. Did I see that? Okay. So they'll both be in the B pool next year, so we can make this happen after a potential Denmark-France B pool game next year. That could happen, yeah. We got to make this happen. Who who do we need to write? I guess we need to tell Mads. We need to tell Mads. Set up with Eddie. See if they'll do it. I don't know. All right. I think it's got to happen. It's got to happen. What else do you want to know about the B pool? Uh, you told me that Belgium was going to do good. How did they do? They did not do well, Ryan. Okay. How did the correct, they do? <laughs> the correct grammar as well. They finished 13th. They finished 13th out of how many teams? Uh, 16. Okay. I was a bit surprised. So the the two that, that almost got... So Belgium and Estonia, both I've seen them both on the tour this year. I thought they'd do a little bit better than they did, uh, to be honest. Um, so I don't know what happened there. The problem is I could just see the line scores, not the games. Um, I did predict, unfortunately, the two relegation teams. And one's Stefan Saver, who's been on the show. I felt, I felt bad about that, but I think he just grew, drew the tougher group there. Mm. And Ukraine, I think it's a fantastic story in the curling world, but they're they're fairly... I think they're they're really young. That whole team is right. It's basically is it basically their junior team? I don't know if they're still juniors or not. I mean, my big problem is like because of COVID, I've I'm like you have a couple like oh that person's like 25 now, (laughs) right? I'm like, but they're junior bees. I'll be like last year. I'm like, oh yeah, last year was 2019, right? Because we've lost three years due to the pandemic. So, Um, but like. Ukraine was not a strong um, junior B team. So, right. Uh, even if they're just out of juniors. But I will say this. They're they're out on tour. They're getting good quality coaching. Um, and they're getting good support at the moment. So I think they'll be able to build on it. But, um, yeah, they're going to have to go back to the Cs and, and try to win promotion again. All right. And then how about on the women's side of the B pool? So... On the women's side, it was Estonia and Czech Republic. Okay, so again, two teams that we're used to seeing in the A pool are heading right back. 
Yeah, so it, there is this pattern you'll notice of like teams kind of on the I guess, I guess they're bubble teams, right? They kind of mm-hmm. get up to the A's, can't quite hang in there, go down and kind of switch back and forth. So, and again, that was fairly decisive. Those were the two teams that were kind of dominating the pool all week. Um, Lithuania had a pretty good run, which kind yeah. of surprised me a little bit. Well, that's that's who I had picked to go up to the A. Yeah, and uh, so it's good that they good did one. well. Not good that they didn't get us uh, a point in order to force a tiebreaker with the Grams, but they I'm did. glad that they did, <laughs> they did well. That. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that was pretty good. And then Spain and Slovakia got relegated. So, um, not. Spain's a little bit surprising for them to go down, but it's a different team than uh, the one I'm used to. So, don't know what's going on there. Anyway. All right. So now what? What do we have to look forward to after you know Pacific's? Well, I guess now the PanCon, the PanContinental, and mm-hmm. the Euros are over. We have our World Championship field. What are we looking forward to next? I guess now we're getting into what play down season in North America. Well, we've got a couple of, so it's a bit weird this year. Uh, and we haven't, we haven't really spoken much. So one, there's no Canada cup and two, there's no continental cup. Mm-hmm. So two of the other big, what you call major events on the calendar are gone. We've got a bunch of slams coming up, so I can never remember which is which. <laughs> So anyway, probably because they move them all around every year except for the players. But um, anyway, so we've got some slams coming up. And then, yeah, you'll have after Christmas, you'll have your your national championships, right? In, in Jan and Feb. So. Right. What is what is next for your team? Since uh, we're, we're I'm, I'm invested in how Team Retchless is, is doing. What's Team uh, Retchless doing the rest of the rest of uh, well, fall into winter? We've got a training weekend. Well, not really a weekend. We're training midweek next week. And then a little break for Christmas. Then we'll do another training session sometime in January. Then Belgium. Going to Belgium for the uh, Belgium WCT event. Then more training. And then uh, the men's at the end of uh, Feb. All right. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, I don't know, man. Two kids. <laughs> How's uh, fatherhood treating you? Uh, good. I mean, it's challenging. It's a challenge, but it's good. It's it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's good. Do you sleep a lot? Um, fifty fifty. Some the the littlest guy is about 50-50 between sleeping through the night or getting up. We had back-to-back nights there. He slept completely through the night, uh, 11 hours, one night, and then the next night got up four times. Wow. Yeah, it was not fun. So that's about 50-50. And then I have a a three-and-a-half-year-old, and and the three-and-a-half-year-old... He's he's fun, but man, he uh, it's ups and it's ups and downs at that age. Three is so much worse than two in terms of like them coming back at you, kind of like because oh. they've because they they have 
like they know enough to do stuff, but they don't have like the emotional intelligence to like handle it. <laughs> yeah. So it's constantly like you don't want to be the parent that like tells your kid no all the time. Yeah. But you also don't want them to break stuff and kill themselves. And three and a half is like the exact age where at least 20 times a day, they try to break something or kill themselves. So wow. you have to like say no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they really don't like it. Oh. <laughs> and so now I'm, I'm the mean, I'm the mean parent. So I just kind of live with that for now. Hopefully that, changes soon i try to be the fun parent i try to be the one that takes in places that are fun but then i also have to be the one that's like please put that down please don't please stay away from the stove <laughs> please don't put that in your brother's face i always thought uh the twos were the terrible age no that's that's marketing three three is worse there, this worst. is there a, it's it's three major and he is three going on 33 man. Hmm. But, but he's fun. Like in, I don't know, you see every day it's, you know, they do something that makes you just like so proud. And then they immediately do something that makes you kind of look around and make sure that none of the other parents saw it, which is the wrong thing to do. Like you should never feel like how your kid, how your three-year-old behaves is not a reflection of how you are as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> but you still like, you're looking around like, am I being judged by the other parents for what he just did? <laughs> but then you'll turn around and do something that like is really helpful and yeah. help helps, helps another kid and, or does something, um, does something really nice for someone else. And then you're really proud. So it's, it's constant, uh, you know, it, it's constant up and downs at this age. Yeah. So, and so having to, I had this, I had this conversation with my wife, like having to, especially having one that's going through the three major stage and then one that's a newborn. I do for all of you that maybe have like one kid and you're thinking about having a, a second one, do not have the second kid when the first one is three. Don't do it. <laughs> either have the second one like right away, like Irish twin style or wait until <laughs> wait until the, the, the first one is like four or five. <laughs> do not do it at three. But so I was having this conversation with my wife, you know, you have to kind of like pick and choose the things that you're going to like follow. Mm -hmm. So I used to, you know, follow, followed curling, like, as, like religiously, but now I like have to pare things down. So like this year I kind of went all in on the Sabres. I'm the, that's probably the saddest sentence I think I've ever said. Yeah. I was pretty excited about the Sabres coming into this season and I've now watched more Sabres games than I've missed. Um, just because like put the two kids down, the first period's over and I can check and see, okay, the game's close. I'll watch the second and third period. Yeah. Or put the two kids down, come down up. Oh, Sabres are down three, nothing. I can skip this one. Yeah. Um, they had an eight game losing streak. So that was fun. Uh, yeah. that really, that things kind of came to a crash there, but kind of went all in on the Sabres and started watching a bunch of watching all the Sabres games. Um, in addition to Virginia tech football. So those were kind of the two things that I chose to follow. 
you know, some people follow politics, some people follow like the business world and I follow live sports. That's kind of my reality TV. Um, so I've, you know, hokey football and the Sabres. So it's been a really fun fall. I will say though, because Virginia Tech did have a new football coach this year and they went eight, they went three and eight and I knew that this was coming, but still like, I'd rather go three and eight with this guy than eight and three with, or eight and or eight and three or eight and four with the previous guy. Um, but so like I enjoyed watching the Hokies, even though they, they themselves had a nice little seven game losing streak, but I was, I was there when they broke the losing streak against Liberty, which was great to see Virginia tech win at Liberty because I really don't like anything to do with Liberty. So that was fun. (laughs) It was fun to be there to watch them, to watch them win that game as 10 and a half point underdogs. Have you been curling at all or? Uh, no, I don't remember. I don't remember the last time I curled. We don't have, all right, so there's two rinks in town. Uh-huh. Um, they're both owned by the same guy. One uh-huh. of the rinks is currently having like floor issues. So they have, so there's now only one working ice rink in Richmond. So it's like mm-hmm. all hockey all the time. We just can't get ice. Oh, wow. Yep. So a another a double rink is double hockey rink is supposed to be opening in the area sometime in 2023 which we're hoping will free up some ice time for us somewhere hmm. we'll see yeah and then so uh a couple of times this fall um we had groups from our club go down to triangle curling club in Durham and play, but they both coincided. One of them coincided with a Virginia tech game that I went to. And the other one coincided with my mom being in town. So, so no chance. So no chance. Yep. It's fine. I'm sure. Hopefully, hopefully they'll go again, um, at the new year. And then hopefully I can make it down, uh, to throw some rocks on some dedicated ice. How long until Triangle? How far is it from your place to Triangle? Two and a half hours. That's not bad. Yeah. I like going to Triangle because like I know it's two and a half hours, whereas going to Potomac Curling Club, which is just on the other side of DC, with DC traffic, that uh, that drive could be 90 minutes. It could be three hours, whereas with going to Durham, going to Triangle, like I know it's going to take two and a half hours. Yeah. All right. Yep. <laughs> Yep. So what what do you think our fate is with uh the bad beer bet? Uh well I told um, I told Scott and Sean how to get me, which is just the high the most IBU heavy IPA that they can throw at me. To me, that is the worst beer in the world. So I'm sure they'll choose something that has like 150 IBUs or uh or something like that. Some like really hop forward. IPA that will taste like licking a car hood in August. Mm. So I'm sure that's what's coming my way. What do you think they're going to throw at you? Uh, I don't know. What do they, they think they're going to be like Desperado last time, which is like, it's not, it's something you would like. So, okay. <laughs> it's like my it's go-to like... is Coors Light. Like you can't hurt me. <laughs> yeah, no, you'll, you'll send shots. Ryan will send pics in our WhatsApp chat group what he's drinking. And yeah, you can't, you can't, I mean, Ryan can't be beaten on bad beer. 
we told our listeners about the the time we went to that bar in Norman that had the beer bag. Oh yeah, that was great. That was uh, I can't remember oh, what was that. It was called the Garage. I yeah, think. it's still there. It's still there. It's still yeah. there. Yeah. So this bar that Jonathan and I went to in Norman had a deal where you could pay a dollar and then you had to stick your hand through a hole into a trash can filled with ice and beer. Uh, so it was a grab bag. Like there's some like stuff that you stuff that uh, I think went out of business. Like beer beer thirty, I think went out of business, and then pig's eye, I think also is no longer made. Um, so some truly terrible stuff down in there. But you would feel around for the skinny er can because that was a Coors Light, and that was the best thing in the trash can. And so it was great because I would pay my dollar and get my Coors Light and enjoy life. <laughs> they also had a beer in there just called beer yes (laughs) yeah anyway ryan could not lose at that game no (laughs) it's yeah in terms of like bad like they they're gonna have to send some like ten dollar for one bottle ipa in at me yeah all right so i guess what 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 do we got we gotta get some uh Gotta we need some guests, some... man. We got to start talking about uh, curling and some other. It's it's tougher to do the guest shows once the season has started because people are other than me. People are like curling. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we got some ideas. We'll figure something yeah. out, and we got to do our um, try to get another couple episodes in before Christmas, eh? Yeah, we'll try. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually I'm actually off uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's, so actually that might be the worst time for me to do it because. The kid, um, the three-year-old, is also off. The new, the new daycare is also off the week between Christmas and New Year's. It used to be so great. Like I would be off, but I could still take him to daycare. I know that sounds terrible, and I should not say that as a parent. But man, just like <laughs> sitting at home in the quiet after Christmas was was clutch. But I can't do sounds that this good. year. I'll find out. Um, I'll find some places to to take him to like. You know, kids' museums, stuff like that. I think we're going to go. The local theme park does a Christmas thing that we're going to take him to because he loves, he actually, he's three and a half. He loves roller coasters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot that he can't go on. (laughs) Yeah. But every time we get on, every every time he's also, he's super tall. He's as tall as a six year old. So he can go on some roller coasters that he has no business going on, but still, every time he's like, I wanted to go faster. (laughs) <laughs> he's a speed demon he is he is he, yeah the the younger one is a little bit more chill he's a little bit slower paced i think he and i are going to get along great that's good <laughs> all right yeah it's good chatting with you i'm sorry we lost yep although i did have the best picks of the whole lot i just want to go on record saying that yeah <laughs> fine i'll take i'll take this l yeah but i I haven't i mean i haven't paid attention i have i traded curling for the sabers i know that as a as the host of a curling podcast i shouldn't admit that but i kind of traded curling for the sabers at least this first half of the curling season um i don't know now that curling will be back on tv i'll probably uh actually be able to watch some what's gonna be on tv I mean, you get into season of champions, it'll be on. I'll actually be able to watch that. I mean, I'm not, I just, I just don't have time to watch games on recast. I, I think it's got a weird transaction cost that 
makes it a bit tricky, right? I just don't have the time, man. Well, I, I think so. The Euros are on TV here, and so I watch way more curling. Like, like I will watch a recast that, but the, the thing is, here I'd be like, oh, it's the third end. I'll just sit down and watch it. Right? Yeah. And there's a weird thing about paying a it's, it's so stupid because it's only a, a pound or a buck or whatever, right? But to watch a game, spending about, it to watch a game over. that's already started. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like five, it's the fifth end. I'm like, do I want to spend the pound? Of course. <laughs> it's not like yeah. I'm broke. It's, you know. Be different if, like, at the beginning of the event, I spent ten bucks and I would have the whole event. Then, in the middle of a game, it'd be like, yeah. okay, that game's close. I'm going to throw on at the throw it yeah. on at the end. There's something about I, I think curling is actually a great sport for like having it on in the living room. You can duck in and out. Yeah, right. And uh, can't do that on recast. Recast is not great for that. No, no. But you can still watch a lot of curling, so we shouldn't complain. Like you, you could get every game going at Euros in the A pool. So that's not a bad thing either. Yeah. If I could have paid some money at the beginning, uh, we're not turning this into another streaming episode. I'm just going to end the, I'm just going to end the episode right now. I'm not even going to no transition. Enjoy the outro. Thank you for listening to rocks across the pond, a curling podcast. If you enjoyed this show, we ask you to please leave a review or tell a friend about us. Your referrals to friends and family are the greatest compliment we can receive and is what allows our show to grow and share our love of this great game. You can find all of our past shows and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. If you have a question or comment, you can reach us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us, and we will talk to you again real soon.